pumping a corpse and kissing it is uh, is acting, according to podcasters. Who do? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle. Except this week, we're not really doing that. So uh, we are doing our annual, this is our second annual Pop Culture Case Study Awards, where we take a look at the best movies from this year, 2016. So this is simultaneously, simultaneously like the most work I do for an episode and the least work I do, because I don't, I don't need to watch a movie. I don't need to look at the psychology of it. All I need to do is wrangle podcasters into votes. Uh, which becomes very difficult. It's a little bit like herding cats because uh, they're all apparently very, very busy uh, and I have to keep sending them reminders to vote. But they all did vote. This year we had we had 28 different people uh, put in votes for our podcasters, which is I think last year we had – I think we had about 19 or 20 last year. So we're, we're growing a little bit year by year. So that's good. Uh, and last year I had a bunch of guests and this year I just can't be bothered. So Mike from War Machine vs. War Horse is here for the entire show. So thank you, Mike, for being here. That was uh, you could almost hear the sound of people saying Marcus played. They're just like, all right, done with this. Click this on my iPhone. Done with that. Uh, so welcome, uh, everyone. Whoever, everyone whoever left stuck around, the nine people who are still here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm on for the entire. I don't just get the best picture like Jack Nicholson role this year. Right. So you are James uh, Franco this year, as you mentioned online. You're just here for the uh, yeah. whole thing. It doesn't sound good for me. I think I lost this one. <laughs> We all lost. On well, you should be. If you were really James Franco, you would have shown up high, and this would have been really good for you, Mike. Especially given that your favorite film this year is Everybody Wants Some. I think. I think that would have fit. You're with also your... recording uh, at four o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday, so there's, you know, let me have some decency here <laughs> and not just be totally baked or. I like tanked. that you have limits. There's there's a line there. That's good. But Mike, don't you have some big news you want to share about War Machine versus Warhorse? Oh, absolutely. I started a Patreon page just because I knew I would be on this podcast, and that's all I want to talk about. So this will be a very short episode. I'm assuming everybody wants some wins everything uh, this year, and you can win by giving me money on uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash War Machine Horse. So yes, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's see if I can you know not lose money anymore, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, We've been doing this for luck with three that. years, so I don't think I'll ever make up. Hey, you I never know. You for... got a pretty big fan base. You were on Mental Floss. You might get some funds. I've been telling you to do this for like a year, so and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really annoyed when you have like you have ten times the amount of patrons I do, which will probably take about a week. I'll take ten bucks right now. How about that? Ten bucks sounds good. Uh, yeah, and uh, thank you. The only reason I did it is because I didn't have enough time in between getting home uh, and doing this show to edit an episode or even start editing. So I'm like, all right, let's uh, let's beg for money. Let's panhandle. So I've internet. made you money and cost people an episode. I'm pretty good with this. That sounds that sounds good. A good Tuesday for Dave. That's right. Well, actually, what we're going to do, we're going to jump into this and we'll start talking about who got the most nominations this year. So, Mike, do you have any predictions for what movie got the most nominations in our seven categories? Sure. Uh, the most overall nominations, I would assume it has to be something uh, with an ensemble of some sort to to uh, cover the acting categories. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Moonlight or uh, Manchester by the Sea because I think they can cover writing and director and uh, acting categories. And some other films probably are missing the the lead and supporting right. nominations. Yeah, pretty pretty good guesses there, Mike. Uh, our leading vote getter was Moonlight with uh, with six different nominations. Hell or High Water had five. Manchester by the Sea and Arrival had three, and then The Handmaiden, The Lobster, and La La Land all had three nominations. So, pretty nice spread, and actually pretty impressive for Moonlight, considering there isn't a lead actor uh, in that film. Um, so tougher to get some nominations but it was definitely critically uh critically acclaimed so not a huge surprise there look at that hot take from dave he's he's applauding moonlight for getting recognition that's right it's about time shows 
<laughs> That's right. Okay, so now we'll jump into our first category, uh, which is best screenplay. And we will, as I mentioned, we had 28 voters this year. So that's the most nominations you could possibly get for a movie. Uh, and in screenplay, we actually have six nominations instead of five because there was a tie. Uh, and the tie was at, at the bottom of this list with The Handmaiden and The Lobster, both getting 12 nominations. Uh, and then Manchester by the Sea with 15, Arrival with 16, and then Moonlight and Hell or High Water both with 19 nominations out of the 28 possible. So, Mike, what do you think about this uh, this crop of movies for best screenplay? I think uh, something like The uh, the Lobster is uh, probably a uh, surprise uh, if you're not on film Twitter. Uh, but I, I think it's uh, it's deserved. And I'm not even that big of a fan of it. But I, I think the, the screenplay... Uh, is one of the the strengths of the film. I mean, it's a high concept film, uh, and for the most part, it's uh, executed in a very dark, uh, depressing, and funny way. So it's 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 got a very sort of writerly feel to it. But I would say the general public, uh, maybe a lot of other critics uh, awards may have ignored it for the uh, the bigger guns in this one. So yeah, right. that's that's that feels very film Twitter and snobby. So we're off yeah. to a great start. <laughs> that's so far. right. I mean, I think I'd also put the Handmaiden in that category. I was actually really surprised uh, that the Handmaiden ended up with three overall nominations uh, this year because you know I think I'm thinking back to last year and I don't remember any foreign films getting that that kind of love you know, from quote unquote film Twitter. So that was, that was kind of nice to see too. Cause we don't understand their words. What are they <laughs> saying? We don't have to read on, on screen. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's uh kind of film noir twisty. I mean, it's like, if this was uh, an English film, it probably would have been a layup slam dunk as far as a yeah. screenplay category. Uh, so yeah, well-deserved there too. Yeah, absolutely. So were there any movies on here that you thought got left out? Like if you could have, <laughs> if you could put in one movie extra for a nomination, which movie would it be for screenplay? Uh, I, I'm going to go with silence. Um, because, and then that's, that sounds stupid given the, the title of the film, but I, <laughs> it's like the jokes I, you know, are was, just right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, what I was saying about the, the lobster sort of applies here. I think it's a, it's a very meaty film as far as the, uh, what the, the characters are going through. It's, it's, uh, like taking a, uh, philosophy course or something. So I think it's, it's got a lot of ideas behind it and it's, uh, very writerly that way. Um, but no one's fucking saw it. So, um, yeah, I would say silence is one that I think I'm predicting is going to be missing in a lot of these categories and it could be my answer. So let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. Silence. Silence for Uh, everything. That's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually looking at my own nominations and the only movies that I really think of when I think of screenplay that didn't get nominated um, are um, one is a movie that no one saw um, called in order of in order of disappearance, which there's actually an episode of war machine versus war horse on it. (laughs) one fan and and it's available on netflix so you should all watch it it's it's a fantastic movie uh stellan skarsgård plays the lead uh and the other movie i keep thinking of is 20th century women which which you know a few more people saw than in order of disappearance but not many but i think you know i think it's a for for Mike Mills, I think it's a step up as far as writing um, from beginners. I think he's working with a lot more moving parts. So that's that's definitely a movie I would include on the list. Yeah, I just want to mention that uh, the great War Machine versus War Horse, which you can now support on Patreon, did an episode on In Order of Disappearance when it was released theatrically. We were right there. That's um, right. Was it released uh, theatrically? I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, not anywhere close to us. Uh, so I'm going to blame the dis- distribution uh, and not us. I-, I would never impugn our clout to draw numbers to a <laughs> of film. Of course, of course. All right. So last year, this uh, this award was won by The Big Short. So that was that's kind of a lot to live up to. That's a really good screenplay and a really good film. So if you had to guess, who do you think uh, who do you think is going to win this award? I. Um... I'm going to guess uh, Hell or High Water. Okay. Um, I'm going to go against uh, Manchester by the Sea here because I'm just <laughs> I'm feeling the way award shows are going. Uh, that, that's the that's the safe bet. It's going to go against Manchester against by the Sea. Against Manchester. So. Yeah, that's yeah. usually a good bet. So, of course, on the show, we have our podcasters vote and the popular vote. So we'll start uh, with the popular vote. And the winner of that by just four points uh, is Arrival right over Hell or High Water and then Moonlight Jesus coming Christ. in third. So <laughs> I knew that would make you happy. So, so Arrival wins the popular vote. And for the podcasters vote... The winner, and I think this may become a theme, 
the winner is Moonlight uh, with 116 points, uh, Arrival in second, Hell or High Water in third, um, which I will say right now, I love Moonlight. We've talked about this on your show, but Moonlight was not my top choice for screenplay. I think it's a good screenplay. I don't think it's great. I think both Hell or High Water and Manchester are superior screenplays to kind of everything else in this category. If you're just, you're not looking at the movie as a whole, you're just looking at the script. That would have got my vote. But Moonlight takes the first award of the night. Mike, your reaction? Uh, it's already a disaster. Um, <laughs> do you, are, you know, the people voting, are they voting on categories or are they just voting on, I just like that film the best or I feel like that's the one I should like the best. <laughs> I'm just because I'm just trying to imagine, as you said, uh, do you remember those those nerdy books uh, that you could get, which I'm assuming now are like a PDF file that John August <laughs> has got an app for? Can you imagine buying the script from Moonlight and reading it? I mean, what it's it's very cinematic. Uh, it's yeah. a beautiful film. Uh, it's well directed. But I just, you know, we've talked about on a previous episode, you know, something like Hell or High Water uh, could be hurt in the directing category because there could be another director that could take those words and make a great film. Yeah. I don't know if that's the case for Moonlight. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think the most impressive thing about Moonlight's script, I think it's also tied to his direction. This like very specific three act structure that Barry Jenkins has to wrangle is really difficult. It's what, it's what uh, Danny Boyle didn't really have the guts to do in Steve Jobs, which is to kind of contain it to these three moments instead having to throw in flashbacks. So I like what Barry Jenkins did with this, but I think it's more to do with his direction than the writing of the screenplay. Yeah, uh, Danny Boyle's direction. Don't do that. That's, uh, that's a safe <laughs> shot fired at Danny Boyle. I'm sure <laughs> when he hears this, he'll be very upset. But you know, he's got Train Spotting Two coming out, so he'll be hooked into the nostalgia and be making money again. So. Yeah, clearly his career is going well. McGregor, please come back to me. Please, I need money. Please. I need a win, guys. I need a win. All right. So our next category is best supporting actor. Um, and as far as the nominations, again, in the order, uh, as far as their, their nominations, we have Trevante Rhodes from Moonlight getting 11 votes, uh, Michael Shannon from Nocturnal Animals, Nocturnal Animals getting 12. And then we have Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges, both from Hell or High Water getting 13 and 16 and Mahershala Ali from Moonlight getting 20 votes of the 20 of the 28 possible. So Mike, what are your thoughts on best supporting actor this year? Some big misses uh, here, I think. Um, you know, it's a it's a category. Dumb podcasters, where, what are you thinking? Uh, well, okay, you, you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. Moonlight, um, you know, it has multiple supporting performances. You have uh, Hell or High Water, which also has key supporting performances. So uh, it got crowded pretty quickly compared yeah. to when I was making my list. Compared to lead, uh, there was a lot of cuts that had to be made. Um, so it's 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 fine. I guess um, there's there's one huge oversight that I'm seeing from almost everyone, which is uh, Ray Fines and a bigger splash. Yeah, he got which, one of my votes for sure. I think that's yeah. that's a fantastic performance. I think he actually had two. I think this hurt him. He had two really good supporting performances this year with that and Hail Caesar, um, and he got votes for both. And I think that might have gotten in his way a little bit. I would also have uh, gone with the, the the new young Han Solo for Hell Caesar as mm, well. Yeah, uh, which I also I was looking at my list. A lot of them were comedic performances like those. Uh, a lot of Steve Carell was great in Cafe Society, mm-hmm. uh, which is a film that uh, you know a lot of people did not like. Um, <laughs> you know, even uh, uh, Jared Harris or Billy Crudup and certain women in 20th century uh, women. So I'm just going to, uh, name films that have women in the title. Um, <laughs> yeah, those are, those are also comedic performances that were, that made my list, but you know, this is the year of, uh, of moonlight, uh, Manchester and Heller high water, uh, sort of in this category. Yeah. For me, the thing that's missing is Daniel Radcliffe from Swiss army man. I think that's what I comedic performance. Yeah. Uh, comedic, but also this super limited performance. We've talked about this. I'm not even sure we talked about it in an episode, but this idea of like, you take away so much from an actor, like he doesn't, he doesn't get to move. He doesn't get to use his usual voice. You know, he's essentially playing a corpse for this entire film and still, and still, I think his performance hits you emotionally in this movie, almost more than Paul Dano's performance, who's given a lot more free reign. So I wish, you know, I really like Swiss Army Man, and I wish it would have gotten a little more recognition other than it being the farting corpse movie. Uh, but I think Daniel Radcliffe really shines in that movie, and his career has been really 
interesting to watch post Harry Potter because he kind of could have done whatever he wanted. He could have retired. He could have tried just for like leading roles, romantic films. But he's done some really weird movies, which I really like. Well, I think when you're kind of weird looking like he is, you have to <laughs> you have to do that. No, I mean, uh, it is weird to me that uh, so many child actors are so stunted uh, from a height perspective that they <laughs> sort of stay so small. I don't, I don't know what that's about, but uh, I think you uh, you kind of hit it on the head. He's he's doing something very smart by uh, making his Harry Potter bank in his uh, youth, his teenage years. So now he can just do stuff that he's interested in. So yeah. even, even that romantic comedy, I think it was called What If Here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was it was serviceable. It was fun, and it's like you know I, I think he should just just keep doing that. Keep doing farting corpse movies keep being until weird. one of them finally hits. Yeah, keep. You'll finally weird, get man. nominated for it. It's gonna happen. We love the Academy tends to love the like for guys these really weird performances, and for women these performances where they quote unquote get ugly for a role, like put on a fake nose or become a serial killer like Charlize Theron. Like that's those are the things that the Academy notices for whatever reason. Or take care of men. <laughs> isn't that what the that's what i thought the best supporting uh actress trophy was i thought you just played someone who's a caretaker for a genius man a yeah. genius but flawed individual there is there is a lot of that uh and last year this award uh was won by sylvester stallone uh for his role in like your favorite movie of all time at this last point. Movie was, the last year this show was so much better i don't know <laughs> i don't know if it's the adding the eight people we may need a uh an academy purge here for this this show because we're off no to, mike we're, we're, we're we got to grow. We got to grow. Um, oh, so, <laughs> so I know like my, my top vote would have been for Trevante Rhodes. And I think we've talked about this. I think he gives As is mine. Yep. easily the best performance of the year from a supporting perspective. Uh, but Mike, who do you think is going to win this award this year? <laughs> um, Let's set I, you I up believe... to be right here. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I believe that uh, Rhodes is going to be stabbed in the back. Uh, by uh, another cast member of Moonlight. I could be wrong. I think this one's a slam dunk all the way, although I agree with you. I, I, Rhodes was my favorite Best Supporting Actor performance, so uh, I'm prepared for defeat. Let's okay, go. Come good. on. So Let's go. the popular vote first uh, goes to Mahershala Ali uh, by a pretty big margin, actually. He won by 30 points over Jeff Bridges, and then Michael Shannon, uh, Trevante Rhodes, and Ben Foster bringing up the rear for the popular vote. Uh, but in terms of the podcasters' vote, the winner is my Hershala Ali for for Moonlight uh, with 138 points, uh, and second is Ben Foster, then Trevante Rhodes, then Jeff Bridges, and then Michael Shannon, star of Nocturnal Animals, your favorite movie of the year, comes in last place. So that at least should make you happy. <laughs> I uh, you got to be torn not. though. Shannon Shannon's great, but Nocturnal Animals is terrible in your mind. So does that make you I, happy not, or sad? Uh... I'm just generally sad just at how uh, there, there's just a distinct lack of balls in the first two winners here from the podcast circles. But are, did they watch movies or just award shows? And they're like, oh, that's the guy that's winning. Well, he won so, the BAFTAs, so might yeah. as well. <laughs> I got to take my cue from whatever the fuck the BAFTAs are. So. <laughs> All right. So now – Throw me a curveball. Let's see. I want a, I want a surprise here. All right. So now we move to Best Supporting Actress. So in order, those nominated are Ungary Rice from The Nice Guys with 11 votes. Also with 11 is Greta Gerwig from 20th Century Women. And then with 12 votes, we have Rachel Weisz from The Lobster. 15 votes apiece, we have Viola Davis and Michelle Williams. Viola Davis, of course, from Fences and Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea. And the leading vote getter was your favorite, Naomi Harris, with 18 nominations out of the possible 28. Nice. <laughs> just feel like mike's about to leave he's just like i cannot i cannot she deal was, with these podcasts she was really bad in moonlight i thought i thought i she think was... she's easily the weakest link in that film and i don't think it's close i think it's it almost feels like it i don't even think it's terrible it just feels like it doesn't belong in this movie like it's really over the top it's like every you know every drug addled mom you've ever seen in every movie ever made like i don't think she brought anything new or amazing to that role and I'm frankly just I keep being shocked at the amount of critical critical acclaim she got. It's uh, Moonlight. For this movie. It's got to be Moonlight or you're just, you know, I guess you don't you get your film Twitter badge removed um, and you don't get to be a part of the dork crowd. anymore. <laughs> um, it reminded me, you know, I, I listened to uh, one of those roundtable interviews where uh, Barry Jenkins was talking about that character and in particular one shot uh, that they did. He was talking about basically being able to work on the fly. He loved being on set, didn't like pre-production or editing, but loved coming up with new ideas with his actors. 
And uh, I think a lot of that material that feels out of place came from those moments where he's like, oh, let's do something extra. Right. Also, from what he said, this this was the most personal aspect of the story for him and mm. his relationship with his mother. And I don't think it it's good in that way. I think it's <laughs> it does. You know, it feels like it's someone else's story. Right. Um, and it, it reminded me of and I'm just gonna go with the, the, the white guy, the lame white guy reference here. Uh, do you remember an almost famous where yes. young Liam, the Cameron Crowe <laughs> character, uh, has like made his way back home through his uh, flight attendant sister has found him on the road and she reunites uh, with the mother that she sort of ran out on, didn't have mm-hmm. a good relationship with. That didn't actually happen. Like Cameron Crowe, he admittedly wrote that as something where mm-hmm. he's like, I wish my mom and sister had had this movie like moment. Right. And that moment sucks in the movie. And I feel like <laughs> Naomi Harris sucks in Moonlight. So, of course, she's going to win. Um, so yeah, what did you go. think of the the other nominees? I mean, Viola Davis, Michelle Williams, both very well thought of this year by the Oscars. But then we also have, you know, a child actor, Anguri Rice, kind of get in there. And one of our mutual favorites, Greta Gerwig from 20th Century Women, which shocked me that that yeah. showed up. Uh, I have no idea how that happened unless there's just a lot of people that uh, were just like, I like Greta Gerwig and I don't know what that movie is. Nobody saw it. So. Yeah. So I, I guess I applaud that nomination. Um, my favorite uh, best supporting actress uh, performance is nowhere close to being uh, here, which is Lily Gladstone from certain women. It's a very quiet sort of, uh, I guess it's a longing performance. I mean, that's what her character is going through, but it's, you know, for all the acclaim Casey Affleck got for internalizing everything, here's a woman that did a very similar thing in a movie no one saw or cared about. Right. Probably because it was about women. Um, well, it had women in the title already. No good. But, it, you know, Greta Gerwig <laughs> got in. She got in with women in the title. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's true. I, uh, you know, uh, of these here, I would say uh, Davis is probably the best, but my vote, because I'm a stickler for these kind of, I guess violations would be Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea because I would vote for Viola Davis as the lead, what she is for yeah. Fences. So, yeah. of course, she's screwing uh, us with the Academy, and somehow she got through your bylaws on this show, too. Hey, what people vote for is what they vote for. I can't, I can't control their nominations. I'm shocked she didn't get the most nominations. I thought for sure Davis I might, I might actually, next year when we do this, like if there's some, if there's some discussion, like this we knew going in was going to be a problem because it had already been announced at the Oscars. They're like, okay, Viola Davis is a lead. Put her in there. And if you don't, I'm just going to put her in there for you um, just to make it simpler. Because it, it was one of those where I think she got – she ended up getting 15 nominations and I think she got like 10 for supporting and five for lead. So I just kind of threw it in supporting because that got you know the most number of votes. Um, but I think for me who's missing here – um, is uh, Abby Lee from The Neon Demon. I thought she was fantastic in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of weird ways, she steals that movie uh, from from our lead. Um, and actually, as far as uh, nominations, she got less votes than... Uh, I'm trying to remember the actress's, actress's name. She was in The Hunger Games. She was in Donnie Darko. Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone actually got mm-hmm. more nominations here because apparently, you know... Humping a corpse and kissing it is uh, is acting, according to podcasters. Who do? Well, it's, it's so. sort of my accusation. I, I, uh, I'm explaining uh, Rhodes not getting the love for Moonlight is that Ali talks the most. Yep. And I guess in Neon Demon, Jim Malone fucks the most corpses. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why she gets it. Everybody wins. Um, and the only other – something. The only other actress I think of is uh, Imogen Poots from Green Room. I thought she was also really good. And I, that's one of those movies that is – uh, you have everybody wants some, and I have green room. That's the movie from this year that I've watched the most. I think I've watched it five or six times, and it's it's such an intense watch that it doesn't get old. And a lot of that is due to the performances in this almost locked room movie. You know, it's right. essentially a slaughterhouse horror film. Uh, so if you don't care about the characters, then this movie gets utterly forgotten. And I think her performance is one of the things that really ties me to that movie for sure. Dakota Johnson, bigger splash. I'm going to keep going back to a bigger splash. No, um, she's the worst that, part yeah. of that movie. She is the, uh, out of the four, out of the four main characters. She's the worst part. I, every time she's on screen, I, she doesn't care. So I don't care. So that's how I feel about Dakota Johnson. Like every time she's on a screen, did she you, looks, uh, did she you looks have bored. With teenage, teenage girls, because let me explain something. Uh, Teenage girls do not care. And you know, to be fair, teenage boys don't care either. True. But like as as a film goer, when I see an, an actor or an actress look disinterested and I'm like, hey, me too. I'm not interested either. So get back to Ray Fine's dancing. You, you, you love Vertigo. 
Kim Novak could not be (laughs) any more disinterested for half the runtime. Well, she just looks like she's been beaten by Alfred Hitchcock, so I don't blame her for that, which is probably true. Uh, So uh, last year, this award, uh, let's see, was won by... Rooney Mara from Carol. So a lot to live up to there. That's a uh, pretty damn good performance. Who, who, who were your Academy last year? Because they were so right. Was it just I know, me? but there's so, much, there's so the much crossover. It's like 20 of the 28 voters were here last year. So is this an indictment of 2016 or an indictment of the voters, Mike? Which one? It's the voters. It's the voters. It's the, these eight voters. Uh, and then the other ones, uh, maybe they just got lazy this this year. I don't, I don't know. Because uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so far, I've, like all of my picks have been named from last year. It's true. All right, this so, year not a one. Let's go. So, get, keep going. Another one that I'll miss. All right. On. So this year, the popular vote was won by Viola Davis of Fences, and it's by a huge margin. Um, she had 182 votes. Uh, the second place. Uh, second place performer was Michelle Williams with 112, and then Naomi Harris came in third. And of course, especially with the popular vote, nobody saw 20th Century Women, so you knew Greta Gerwig was not going to win this. Uh, and, you know, I think, yeah, Greta Gerwig got 50 votes compared to the 182 from Viola Davis, so that just wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. I, you know, I still don't believe that uh, the, those people saw fences either. But I don't, I don't know mm. what they are. They voting on award shows yet again? I don't. Could and be. I have no issue with that. I think you know she is great in fences. But yeah, uh, I mean, I, it's I do weird think... how this is lining up with everything that's actually winning. Yep, I do think like that performance is, and I'll say this about Casey Affleck later. I think it's one for the ages. It's one that we'll go back to and see like, oh, that that won the Oscar and that absolutely deserved it. But as far as the podcaster awards, the winner is also Viola Davis with 151 votes. Uh, you should be very happy. Naomi Harris came in second. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Michelle Williams, uh, Rachel Weiss, Greta Gerwig, and Ungary Rice from uh, from the Nice Guys in that order. So you were right about this one. So Viola Davis does take this as she will most likely take the Oscar. I don't think it's that much of a mystery. She's had this locked up for months at this point. So. That's good. I, I can't believe Harris is that high for that that uh, after school special. As I was uh, putting arc. in the numbers, I was like, "Oh God! Oh no! Oh no! Please! This is too close <laughs> for comfort. This is good for Davis." Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah, I really really liked her. It's hard to, uh, I, you know, as I said, the only thing I I hate is I think Michelle Williams is great in a true supporting uh, performance, and Davis is clearly the lead. But yeah, can't go wrong with if if that's the category you put it in, Dave. Uh, the fault <laughs> lies with you, not that's Davis. Right. That's right. All right. So now we're on to Best Actor. Um, so again, the nominees, we have Colin Farrell and Denzel Washington, both with 14 nominations. Uh, Colin Farrell, of course, from The Lobster. Denzel Washington from from, from Fences. Uh, Viggo Mortensen from Captain Fantastic with 15 votes. Chris Pine from Hell or High Water, also with 15 votes. And Casey Affleck from Manchester by the Sea with 20 nominations out of the 28 possible. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on this year's Best Actor? Um, it's missing my favorite uh, lead actor performance, uh, which is uh, Joel Edgerton from Loving. You and your quiet uh, performances this year. This 2016 well, is the year of silence. <laughs> silence. Uh, Joel Edgerton, Trevante um, Rhodes, <laughs> Michelle Williams, who was in like 90 seconds of that movie. <laughs> but she's pretty loud in that 90 seconds. She she's is, pretty loud. She is. Okay. She's the loudest. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Loving, for whatever reason, just didn't get the critical push. So thus, it's just not going to be seen by as many people. But I, I think, you know, it will it will find an audience because unlike Silence, it's not particularly challenging film. It's not, you know, abusing you along with the characters like there's there's hope because you're, you're dealing with honest, decent people uh, who, who never really lose uh side of their love and hope. So um, I think that um, of the ones nominated, I'm pretty much all in on uh, Casey Affleck because um, he was my number two. So my number one's not there. So yeah, Casey Affleck's my favorite, but Denzel Washington's going to win. So so uh, Mike, just, uh, Mike with yeah. a vote for sexual assault. That's good. I like it. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Did Edgerton assault someone? Or is, it, is there, is there a, a, a tie there that I'm unaware of or no, or no, it I think Casey it's Affleck? just Casey Affleck who gets your vote. Yes. I could go with a, a bigger splash again on that note, uh, which uh, has assault and sex, although I don't think at the same time. Uh, and I can't pronounce the dude's name. Oh, Matthias Schoenartz. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he's a he's that's another quiet performance, Dave. You can make fun of me there. Um, Anton Yelchin, Green Room. Mm. Uh, I, I had Daniel Radcliffe as lead uh, mm. for Swiss Army Man here. 
Uh, and I think that's probably because I was just trying to find 10 <laughs> lead male performances that I liked. Uh, Andrew Garfield for Silence. I knew um, that was coming. I was like, where yeah. is it? Yeah. For me, the two that are missing for me is uh, Christopher Plummer in Remember, which is available on Amazon Prime, which is just a fantastic performance uh, from him. And also uh, Jesse Plemons from Other People, um, which is which is on Netflix, which is I think I think the movie is fine. I don't think it's great. Uh, it got a lot of publicity for Molly Shannon maybe getting a nomination this year, and I thought she was fine. I thought she got a lot of credit because she's a comedic actress doing a dramatic role. Uh, but I think Jesse Plemons is the heart of that movie. And you know who doesn't have a soft spot soft spot in their heart for Jesse Plemons from Friday Night Lights? Like, come on. Well, if you're going to play uh, in the mucky muck, so why? There goes Dave uh, hating on the female uh, performance there. That's right. Uh, he really, really <laughs> did not want uh, anything <laughs> with women in the title to be nominated this year. So I keep supporting that, uh, I guess, to make up my for my Casey Affleck fandom. What am I talking about? You said he gave one of the, the like the great performances <laughs> like of the decade. But I will Shut say um, Andrew Garfield, I think um, – Got a little bit screwed here because he was in two very well thought of movies. So his nominations got divided between Silence and Hacksaw Ridge. Um, I think he was like two votes away from getting a nomination for Silence, but then had like seven or eight votes for Hacksaw Ridge. He had the he had the Ryan Gosling effect. That's that's the other person who had that because he had La La Land and the Nice Guys got a fair amount of votes, but neither of them enough to kind of sneak into this top five. The difference was that Garfield was good in both his movies. Oh, there it is. (laughs) I knew I knew you could not let that go. <laughs> and best actor last year, you know this, Mike. Who is the best actor last year? Michael B. Jordan. That's right. Michael B. Jordan for Creed. We are better than the Oscars. That's basically what I'm saying. Last year. Last yep. year you were. This year, <laughs> this year you are the Oscars. What are you talking about? Well, we'll see. We'll see about that. So um, so you think Denzel Washington is going to win. That's what you said, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, Casey Affleck will probably be second, but yeah, I'm going. And and Chris Pine, unfortunately, is uh, someone that probably uh, yeah, doesn't know, get talked about enough. I was glad that he got nominated. This is the one that I was. It was happy to be nominated for pop culture case today. Yeah, George, Chris Pine. And I, you know, going into this year, if you had told me that Chris Pine would be in my top ten performances this year, I would have laughed in your face. We have had this discussion many times on this show that I am not impressed with Chris Pine, but Chris Pine was legitimately great in Hell or High Water. He. There's there's two very strong supporting performances, but I think if you put someone else in that lead role, then this movie is nowhere near as impressive. I think he gives, a, again, a really great understated performance in a movie where everyone is – I mean you got Ben Foster. You know he's always going to play that guy who's over the top. He's perfect for that. I mean, you know, Star of Warcraft. What do you what do you do up against Ben Foster? Shout out to uh, Hyro, your biggest uh, and most uh, vocal uh, academy member he's here. definitely the most vocal i'll give him that maybe one of the least important but still still the most vocal <laughs> i would say probably if i looked at his uh nominees Ooh. he yeah, posted them most... he put them online <laughs> he posted uh, them on just, twitter so this is just a uh, yet another sign that mike does not actually pay attention to tweets that i'm not tagged in <laughs> even though it's only about half the time <laughs> absolutely all right so the popular vote this year went to denzel washington uh, with 165 votes, uh, and then Casey Affleck, as you said, was in second with 148, and then Chris Pine, Viggo Mortensen, and Colin Farrell. Again, The Lobster is one of those performances. I'm not surprised that it's not getting a lot of votes. It's another one of those. I was happy to see him get nominated here. I think mm-hmm. it's a yeah. really deserving performance. But for our actual award, the winner is – you ready for this, Mike? Go ahead. Casey Affleck is the winner I'm- this year. Isn't that weird that that's considering an, an upset now? Yeah, I yes. mean, it's, <laughs> it's true. It's been a lock yep. for the entirety of 2016. Yep. It was uh, Casey Affleck with 135 points, Denzel Washington with 123, and then Chris Pine with 111. Then after that, Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell. So I was happy to see Casey Affleck win. I'm supporting sexual assault too, apparently. Uh, but I do think like this Allegedly. is – this. <laughs> But I do think this is actually a performance we will look at decades later and still be awed by because I think it's a movie that's about something that will always be prevalent. It's about grief and it's about how we process it. And I think his performance, like it's, you know, we say this a lot. We talk about like on our show about uh, baseball and the war statistic, like the wins above replacement. Like you put anyone else in this role. Like I originally Matt Damon was supposed to play this role. And I think this movie is – 
I think its quality drops precipitous, precipitously if we have Matt Damon here. And I think Matt Damon is a solid actor, but if we have Matt Damon instead of Casey Affleck, I don't think we're talking about this movie at awards time. No, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I think he's a pretty big uh, value add there. I could definitely, I could see Matt Damon in the Kyle Chandler role. I could, I could yeah. see that uh, easily. Um, the alternate version where John Krasinski is the, I get the Casey Affleck character as originally intended. It's too good looking. Uh, Doesn't work. It's that. It's the yeah. Gosling thing for La La Land for yeah, you, for me. I've thought that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is the one 10 years from now, the, uh, the performance that people will be talking about from this year. And in, in as far as the lead, uh, actor category, uh, and, uh, Denzel Washington, I don't know. Can they give him another Tony award? For fences like to that. I mean, it was pretty stagey. It's pretty stagey. Especially <laughs> so, that know, it's ending. A very clear, yes. It's a very clear divide between what Denzel's doing and what Casey's doing in these two films. So it's like, you know, you, you really can't get more polar opposite uh, acting styles on display here. Yeah, I mean, one is very presentational, very stage like yeah. Denzel's performances, whether you love it or you hate it. It is like if you've gone to a theater and watched productions, not of this, but just in general, this feels like a a performance that's on stage where Casey Affleck's performance you couldn't do on stage. Like it's so subdued that it wouldn't read mm-hmm. to an audience. You need, you need the camera work. You need the close-ups. You need, you need Lonergan who will really, really take his time in his movies and sometimes stay with shots longer than it feels comfortable. I think that all adds to his performance. Is, is Washington's performance getting hate? I've not seen a lot of hate, but um that's not necessarily hate it does feel like i mean we've talked about this maybe it's just you and me we talked about the fact that it feels like it's in a different movie than viola davis is in like i don't think it's a bad i think it's actually a very very good performance and i'm not upset at it being nominated but when you when you compare these two characters and put them in the same world something about it doesn't quite fit for Mm. me but all right so now we move to best actress so um, this year, uh, you'll love this first nomination, Mike. Natalie Portman uh, for Jackie with 15 votes. And then Isabel Huppert from Elle also with 15 votes. Then we have Emma Stone from La La Land with 20. Ruth Nega from Loving with 21. And the the eternal snub, Amy Adams uh, for Arrival with 22 <laughs> nominations. Uh, eternal snub. <laughs> What's it? She got five nominations in like exactly. five years. But you wouldn't know that by the press she's getting this year. Poor Annette Benning just can't get can't get any love this year, but poor Amy Adams for arrival. So, what do you think of this year's nominees, Mike? I was shocked that uh, Ruth Nega got uh, a nomination. That's that's my favorite. I know she won't win, and the second most. I mean, it wasn't. That, yeah, that is shocking. Yeah. Um, I was happy when she, I guess, took you know Amy's spot uh, for uh, uh, the best uh, Academy Award nomination. Um, I, you know, I don't even hate the Amy Adams uh, snub there. Uh, I, I think she's she's good. I just think, as I've been saying, I think that the best actress uh, category was just far more competitive. The best actor this year It's just just like last there's year. There's a reason we had the same well, thing. There's a reason year. Davis, uh, you know, hightailed it to supporting. It's it would have come down, I believe, to her and Stone really right. duking it out. Um, but yeah, I, you know, my hopes would have been that uh, Davis jumped into that category uh, and knocked out Natalie Portman in that <laughs> S- that SNL parody uh, sketch of Jackie Onassis. Just god awful garbage. See, I think her performance there is good. I just don't think it's great, um, and I think it, it it doesn't help that that movie is fucking garbage uh, and one of the most poorly directed movies of the year to Ooh. me. Uh, bad score, over the top, ridiculous. Everyone else in it is genuinely pretty bad. I think, I think, I actually think that's why she got the amount of pub she did for Best Actress is that in comparison to what she's working with, it is a tremendous performance. I mean, I love Sarsgaard, but his supposed performance as a Kennedy is pretty rough. The accent comes and goes. The only one who keeps an accent in this movie is John Hurt as the Irish priest. That's it. Uh, you know, but everyone else, it's pretty rough to watch. Like it's, I watched it with my wife and that movie's like an hour and 37 minutes. And she must've asked me what time it was five times during this movie. Like it felt like a three hour sit. And that's usually not a good thing for a biopic. Try as you might film Twitter. We will uh, not be talking about Jackie a year from now. Uh, (laughs) No, we'll probably be watching it five years from now. Uh, It's terrible. Uh, I would go with the, you mentioned Annette Bening, uh, Kristen Stewart and cafe society, mm-hmm. uh, which for me was the better version of La La Land this year. This love triangle about people hightailing it to LA to pursue their dreams and getting us slapped around in the face, uh, by reality. 
Um, Kate Winslet, the dressmaker. Yeah, uh, it was just badass. It's it's funny. It's a revenge tale uh, that's set in a small town. Uh, it's a love story. I wish more people had seen it. Shout out to AB Film Review for yep. pointing that one out to me. Um, and uh, let's see. Uh, I don't think I've uh, Tilda Swinton, Bigger Splash. Mm. Have yeah, I? Have she I, was, I haven't mentioned. She, she was on my list too. Okay. Yeah, she was on my list too. I think, especially like we talked about Radcliffe earlier, like taking away some of your skill set. Like for most of that movie, she has no voice. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's still like she has that amount of presence where she still makes it work. I think the only people I would I would add to that list, I think Re- Rebecca Hall in Christine, which is one of those movies that nobody saw. Um, I didn't see it either. Yeah, it's re- she gives a tremendous, tremendous performance there. Um, and also Sally Field in Hello, My Name is Doris, I think, was another really, really good performance. And of course, it's a comedy. So that never right, gets any right. love from the Academy or from the podcasters, apparently. So we stuck with there's a lot of. Of, uh, there's a lot of kind of repeat nominees as far as the Oscars here too. Um, so apparently, according to podcasters, the Oscars got it right. So I guess you got to deal with that. Uh, but last year, uh, our winner um, in our closest vote by one point was Sir Ronan uh, just beating out Brie Larson last year. So again, a lot to live up to. My favorite movie from last year, easily my favorite female performance last year. Um, and I, I found myself not having as much passion about this category this year. Like there wasn't one of these five that stood out so much that I was like, that needs to be the winner. Uh, this year. So there's a lot of I think there's a fair amount of parity between these five actresses and their performance this year. So, Mike, who do you think is going to win this year? Uh, I think Emma Stone would be the uh, the popular choice, which uh, as someone who's not that big of a fan of La La Land, I, I liked it. OK, uh, I think she's the strongest element of the film, so I wouldn't have a problem with her winning. Um, my favorite is Ruth Nega. She's I don't think has any chance, even though I'm shocked she got the second most noms. Uh, I would say. Uh, I'm going to go uh, outside the box and say film Twitter, at least uh, for your Academy, we'll go with Isabel Huppert as the choice. But I think Emma Stone will take the popular vote. Yeah, so that's my um, prediction. Isabel Huppert was my uh, for my vote was my number one. I think she's absolutely amazing in L, And I really, really like that movie. I think it's it's again, it's really a movie with a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of tough subject material. It's not for everybody, but if you can handle stories that are about sexual assault and rape, apparently we can vote for people who sexual assault people, but you know, actually seeing movies just, where it happens. Really, really going into that. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, years from now when, uh, you know, some, some other scandal comes out with these people who we've not picked on, are you going to have to go back and yes. be like, okay. They all, all right, suck. Well. They're all terrible. <laughs> They're all garbage human beings. Um, so Isabel Pair would be uh, would be my top vote. Uh, as far as the uh, the popular vote, uh, you chose Emma Stone, and that was our second place winner. Our first place winner was Amy Adams from Arrival with 152 votes, followed by <laughs> Emma Stone. Natalie Portman, Isabel Uper, and Ruth Nega in last for the popular vote. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, nobody could see it. I mean, that's not that's not a surprise at all. All right, these same people though all saw Fences, and I just somehow <laughs> and Moonlight. I just really doubt it. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> all right, but for actual word for the podcasters award, the winner is again Amy Adams for Arrival with 136 Ow. votes. But you should be happy to hear this. Ruth Nega came in second with 130 points, so six points separate first and second. So Ruth Nega still very highly thought of, followed by Emma Stone, then Uper, and then Portman coming in last, which makes me happy for sure that Portman is in last because I think that's easily the weakest performance of this bunch. Yeah, uh, they were close to getting one right this year. So <laughs> Good <laughs> job, guys. <laughs> All the closest. Well, come, uh, yeah, other than Casey Affleck, who uh, you keep uh, impugning his reputation <laughs> on here every time, and then saying he's great—it's just a weird. Right. I just I'm covering balance. all my bases. You're a terrible person, but that's an amazing performance. I think both both can be true. All right, so now we move on to best director, uh, which definitely had a couple surprises as far as nominations. Um, two people got twelve votes, and that's Jeremy Saulnier for Green Room and Chanwick Park for The Handmaiden. Uh, then Denis Villeneuve, who actually is the only person to get nominated uh, two years in a row uh, for director because he had Sicario last year, but this year for Arrival. Damien Chazelle with 20 votes for La La Land. And Barry Jenkins for Moonlight gets the most with 21 out of the 28 votes. So, Mike, what do you think about director this year? What do you think about these nominations? Well, uh, Scorsese's missing, uh, of course. It's his own uh, goddamn fault. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think it's uh, anywhere close um, as far as if I was making my list uh, and I was just singling out direction. Um, Richard Linklater, everybody wants some. I mean, it's a very Linklater movie. I think that's a problem for it. Uh, it's, it's, he's not really surprising his audience uh, there. Uh, it feels kind of like a victory lap type thing after after Boyhood, but mm-hmm. I actually think it's a better film than Boyhood. Uh, Jeff Nichols from Loving. Uh, very quiet, understated. Well, uh, he, he again was one of those people who got screwed by having two releases this year because Midnight Special and Loving both got a bunch of votes but just kind of missed the cut. So people were torn on which Jeff Nichols movie was the best, which is a pretty good place to be in. Uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising having seen Midnight Special that you'd be fucking torn between that and Loving. But there's no accounting for taste as this uh, podcast Yes, you have terrible taste. It's true. <laughs> Um, uh, Kelly Reichardt for uh, certain women. There it a film is. No one saw. Um, you know, she's, she's quietly putting together, uh, a really interesting, uh, style and sensibility with her filmography. And, um, yeah, I wish more people had seen that. Um, Nicholas winning Refn, yeah. you know, demon. That's a big thing. one Very, for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, let's let's uh, double down on sexual assault here. Let's, uh, let's throw Woody Allen for Cafe Society oh, in there. Geez. I bet you he didn't get love. <laughs> I think he got like two nominations out of, out of the two. Tw- yeah, me and you both. They come uh, from War Machine versus War Horse. They do. <laughs> you tried your best. I think the other people they're missing here, uh, I think obviously Scorsese is a, is a really good choice. But Mike Mills from 20th Century Women, uh, Taika Waititi from Hunt for the Wilder People, I really enjoyed that one too. And a lot of it is due to his direction style. Um, and Kenneth Lonergan for Manchester by the Sea and, and David McKenzie for Hell or High Water. And we talked about... I think Mackenzie gets kind of shafted here because the script is so good and there's a lack of respect for his direction and it feels like this is not his movie but the screenwriter's movie. Uh, but I think he also did a really good job and would have been deserving of a nomination. Yeah, and then uh, Kenneth Lonergan, just uh, all he did was produce his third classic. So, I mean, that's all. Fuck him, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, Mike, do you remember who won last year for Best Director? I believe it was uh, Coogler for it was. Uh, Creed. Ryan yeah. Coogler won by one point over George Miller for Bad Max Fury Road. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know that still tickles you. You just can't. <laughs> just rub salt in the wound to film Twitter. Sorry. Just missed it. All right. Oh, they've got their black and white version. They wasted money on. I'm sure they're fine. You got your toys. You got your action figures. All right. So this year, who do you think is going to... To take away best director, uh, it's gonna be Jenkins, and that's that's really uh, for both categories because uh, you know Moonlight. Uh, there's well, I don't want to say clearly there's a lot of passion for it, but there's a lot of presumed passion that that's what I should like. How about that? You should, you racist. That's basically what this comes <laughs> down to. You're either racist or homophobic if you don't like Moonlight. That's yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it can't just be uh, very good. It's uh, it's got to be some sort of political cause. Which uh, how's that working out for us? You know, <laughs> moonlight wins, and we suffer under Trump's regime. So yeah, there's it's not quite one to one as far as films influence on the masses. It doesn't work that way, huh? That's weird. No, nope, right. unfortunately not. So the popular vote this year was won by Barry Jenkins, but this was our closest in the popular vote. He had 145 points. Damien Chazelle with 142, and Denise Villeneuve with 140. Um, so five points separated top three. Um, so very, very close there. But as far as our our podcaster vote, uh, the winner is also Barry Jenkins for Moonlight with 145 points and then 119 for Damien Chazelle in second place. So actually was more popular with podcasters than it was with the popular vote. Does that surprise you at all? No, I mean, they seem like the same vote. <laughs> It's the same shit. It's uh, it's getting. Uh, I think this is just a sign of you growing your your academy. Uh, you're going to end up getting uh, groupthink uh, choices here, we'll see. and so yeah, Moonlight. I mean, we're done, right? Moonlight won Best Picture, yeah, and that's well, it. We're, we got one more. We do have Best Picture. All right. So I decided this year, last year, we wanted to do like the five nominations for everything, and six or seven if there was a tie. But I decided this year unilaterally because it's my fucking show that I'm going to do ten movies for Best Picture, so we can kind of shine a light on movies that. So it wouldn't just be Moonlight, 
La La Land, Arrival. Like, it, we get a little bit of variety here. So. <laughs> we get a, a, a participation trophy. Is that's that right. what you're saying? Hey, at least we get to talk about them. All right. And you should be happy about this because the lowest vote getter that got into the Best Picture discussion was your favorite movie of the year, Everybody Wants Some, with eight votes. Hunt for the Wilder People with nine. Green Room with 11. Arrival and the Handmaiden with 12 each. Sing Street with 14, which is actually its only nomination. Uh, Manchester by the Sea with 15. La La Land with 16. Moonlight with 17. And actually the top nominee was Hell or High Water with 18 Mm. nominations. So that was actually really surprising because Hell or High Water is a movie I really like. But I, I felt like it got, especially when it first got released, got this really mixed reaction to it but like it seemed to kind of grow in popularity as we got closer and closer to the oscars because it's actually entertaining it's it's very rewatchable <laughs> i will give it that I absolutely mean, <laughs> and it's approachable yeah, uh, yeah it's i mean it's not gonna win it's gonna be moonlight um because that's that's what we're supposed to do on these things we, we're talking <laughs> about movies that's that's the appropriate choice this year which you know it is it's unfortunate. Like uh, it's such a strange thing with uh, Moonlight because I remember seeing the trailers for it and it, it got the that fall sort of push and um, yeah, for it to become this this uh, populist badge of honor, it reminds me of that uh, like the English Patient thing mm. Seinfeld where it's like you've not seen the English Patient like oh it changes your life and so that and uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of interesting choices that were made by Jenkins some that I don't agree with and uh, it just. Just it is. I mean, it's a, it's an attempt at great art, right? And it has just been, and it succeeds. Yeah, oh. <laughs> eh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll we'll see. You know, ten years from now, there will be another Moonlight that people are uh, berating people for not loving as much as they do, or you know, they assume they should. Uh, I thought a lot about the uh, Boys Don't Cry. It's a film I've not seen, so I'm not judging it on uh, the actual work itself, the content. But you know, that was a film. Uh, back in what ninety nine two thousand, they mm-hmm. got a big push and it was very progressive. And I think within the last year or two, there was um, there was a protest of some sort when the filmmaker uh, came to some college university for its like horrific way of uh, casting uh, an actor who is not transgendered. And I I thought you know as I was reading that, I was thought about Moonlight. I'm like ten years from now, are we going to be picking on Moonlight for not being progressive enough? Like it, it feels like people have an inability. Be like that to... kid who played the child didn't end up being gay. So yeah, now yeah, like, <laughs> and I, that's that's my concern with Moonlight. It is such a political choice uh, right now. It's some sort of act of resisting to vote for it for stupid award shows. Uh, that I think the film. <laughs> How itself, dare you? <laughs> the film itself is uh, is certainly at this point is lost, and it's it's. A months old at this point and it's like the the acclaim for it doesn't even really match up with it just being a movie so yeah i think hell or high water is just a movie in this case so that means it's not gonna win it's not gonna <laughs> win on best movie at all that's not what we're voting for so what do you think is missing uh from these 10 nominations what movie would you nominate if you could that isn't in this list uh, i mean silence is uh certainly not there of course came out too late people didn't see it um, I, uh, I would put in, uh, you know, loving uh, again, I, that's just one that just, it just, uh, strikes me as odd that it didn't get this groundswell of support. I just and, think it's uh, too quiet. I think it's too subtle of a movie. I think especially with the trailers, like the trailer was more emotional than the entire film was. So I think maybe people went into it expecting something that they didn't get. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Moonlight is also you know quiet. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the loud moments are you know things that you and I are not a fan of. Uh, right. But you know, it's, you don't go into it. There's not very you know, huge theatrics as far as, especially with the way Rhodes plays his character. It's always very understated. Um, I don't know. Um, I think that's my problem with these type of things. It's the uh, is that you end up uh, defining sort of this weird. Uh, like it's La La Land versus Moonlight thing, mm-hmm. and there are, there's a lot of interesting work that just gets lost in the shuffle. So yeah, yeah I'll just stick with Silence and Loving, um, because a lot of the films I've already mentioned in uh, other categories, 20th Century Women, uh, Certain Women, uh, more movies about <laughs> by women <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. I don't know. Can we take that cause up next? Yeah, maybe, maybe next year, Mike. <laughs> this is. This Please. is Moonlight's year. Uh, <laughs> so the movies that I would add to there is uh, The Neon Demon, which is still in my top five. And I saw that movie mm-hmm. months and months and months ago. And then a movie that literally no one except maybe one other person saw is a French movie called Bean 17, 
um, which uh, which is another gay story, but definitely more explicit uh, than Moonlight is. Uh, and I think it's tremendous and I would recommend it to most people. It's 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 part coming of age story, part part love story, part dealing with your parents story. I think it's really, really good film to watch if you could find it. And uh, good luck with that. If you find it streaming, please let me know because I had to <laughs> find other methods of watching this movie. Uh, but it was absolutely worth it. So the, that's what I the would filmmakers include. appreciate your support. Dave. <laughs> I will pay for it if you make it available. I swear to you, I will pay for that movie. Um, so last year, uh, the winner of Best Picture was, of course, Creed, uh, which kind of swept the major awards last year. Uh, we had Creed, we had Michael B. Jordan, we had Ryan Coogler all win their awards. Oh, and Sylvester Stallone, too. So mm-hmm. four winners last year. Um, so you you assume that this year the honor will go to Moonlight. Is that right? Is that what I'm getting from you? <laughs> I, I think so. I think I'm on the roll back the tape and okay. let's see what my, my guesses were. But yes, Moonlight. So for the popular the popular vote, you would be incorrect uh, because the winner is your favorite movie of the year, Arrival, uh, with 178 points, uh, and then Moonlight and Hell or High Water in second and third. But uh, for our podcast award, our, f- our final award today, uh, the winner is Moonlight with 145 votes, and 120 points goes to Hell or High Water, and then Arrival, um, Strangely, Green Room, and then Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, we're we're in the hunt there too. Um, so it was much closer than uh, than I thought it was. I thought actually Moonlight would run away with this, but it did end up being the winner this year. So Moonlight is our big winner this year. So I mean, how many awards did we say Moonlight won? Because it got uh, let's see, we have we have best screenplay, uh, best supporting actor, um, and uh, what best director also and best picture. So again, four awards. So uh, apparently, like uh, the podcasters' awards do are not not going with Oscars so white. Both years in a row, a diverse movie has been our biggest winner. And La La Land, I don't think won anything in our award show. And I'm sure it'll win like eleven, eleven, uh, eleven Oscars this year. So they won't be hurting for awards, but not on my show. No La La Land. <laughs> I'm glad you could take up for the little guy. That's right. Moonlight. That's right. Hey. <laughs> In comparison, if you look at how much money was spent, Moonlight is the little guy. So I'll take it. So what do you think of this year's awards as opposed to last year's awards, Mike? So this year you you hate black movies and last year you loved them? Is that? <laughs> I think uh, it's, uh, it is. I mean, it's interesting that way. Like uh, Creed certainly was uh, snubbed, I guess, by the Academy uh, last year. I, I think, you know, the biggest difference here is Creed. Uh, I was talking about Hidden Figures, which is mm-hmm. nowhere to be seen. Nope, in not a awards. single For nomination. Some reason, it was um, it was one of those movies that um, almost made it for Best Picture and almost made it for Best Actress for Taraji P. Henson. And also uh, Janelle Monet is another one of those actors who kind of got snubbed this year because she got a lot of votes for Moonlight and a lot of votes for Hidden Figures, but just didn't quite crack that number she needed to. So that was one of those on the outside looking in this year. Yeah, I guess as far as uh, me hating uh, black cinema um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Uh, I, I think that uh, we just talked about on the episode uh, preceding this with Hidden Figures that it's uh, it's a more believable, I guess, groundswell of support for that film. It's a sort of old fashioned that you release right. it to the public. Uh, didn't run through the festival circuit. The uh, public likes got, it. The public <laughs> they likes tell it. people. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Moonlight is not. Moonlight is is La La Land in the sense that both those films are kind of shoved down your throats probably months before you even get the chance to vote with your dollar on whether or not it's good or not. Um, I feel like Creed was hidden figures last year um, in the sense that it was just something that even caught the studio off guard. It's like, wow, people are like really love this movie. They're passionate about it. And I think that's what's missing from your award show that strangely the Academy fixed for you by including (laughs) hidden figures in their best. Well, I think, I think the difference between Creed and hidden figures is yes, they both did kind of, kind of come out of nowhere and surprise their studios, but Creed did have a built in audience already with kind of the Rocky franchise. Like we have something we're tied to whereas hidden figures. I mean, that movie came out of nowhere. Like that was not anything anyone was discussing more than two or three months ago. And then all of a sudden, because they found like there was an audience for it. Once again, Hollywood is surprised that like black people go to movies, apparently. And they're just like, what? You would want a movie with a basically all black cast that tells an uplifting story? Huh. That's weird. We had no idea. I mean, why do we think Tyler Perry keeps making money? 
it's not because he makes great films. It's because there's an audience for movies with a diverse cast. And it's being proven year after year after year. Except not this year with The Great Wall. We decided to just throw that out and put Matt Damon or on your award show, sir. Where's hidden figures on this list? I don't know. I don't know. But I will say um, Janelle Monet got one of my votes for best supporting actress for uh, for Moonlight and for Hidden Figures. I think she was tremendous in both of them. It's just, you know, it just didn't uh, I, th- I, I find myself wondering because that was a movie that I feel like a lot of podcasters and a lot of people went and saw. It was it makes me wonder, like, I think sometimes we all fall prey to this of this kind of pretentious film Twitter idea of like, well, that's just a populist movie. You know, I like movies like like silence, you know, instead. And I think that ends up getting uh, a lot of votes. And we start thinking about how we're seen instead of like, what's actually a really good performance and something that's rewatchable. So maybe next year I'll make it blind voting. You just put it online. I won't see what your votes are. Cause now I hold, <laughs> I hold all this information and I get to mock people <laughs> mercilessly. And like, I remember when you voted for fill in the blank for best actor and I'll never let you live that down. But and I remember when uh, your show was just the Academy Awards. Again, it was just Moonlight, everything. My goodness. Well, except uh, La La Land's going to win everything at the Academy this year. Come on. Moonlight might films win that director. are so different. Moonlight and La La Land are almost like the same fucking thing to me at this point. Like, sick of, sick of hearing about them. Like, enough. Like, that's just... <laughs> don't you care. just stay there off Twitter, more, buddy. <laughs> there were more than two fucking movies that came out this year. So, yeah, The Hunt for the Little People in Green Room. Uh, you're saying it's kind of surprising how high they place. Like there's a, you know, the people that are passionate about that, the people that are passionate about everybody wants some are mm-hmm. very small, but vocal as far as that. Yeah, was everybody wants some. Thing. Everybody wants some was interesting because it actually got a lot of first place votes and a lot of last place votes. Like that was definitely like either you love it or you hate it type of movie. So I think 2016 though was a really interesting, good year. There's a lot of people I've talked to that think it was a terrible year, but actually I had a good time. There's about, there's probably about 30 movies this year that I'd be happy to rewatch um, like just and not even like, oh, this is going to be difficult to sit down and watch, but I'll watch it because it's good. But just some really enjoyable movies this year. I had a good time with 2016. I think the top of 2015 was probably better than 2016. But generally, I think 2016 was a good year. It's pretty good. <laughs> the mic answer for everything. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be I'll be happy to uh, to rewatch Moonlight and La La Land. Uh, years down the road uh, mm-hmm. after all this nonsense everyone just shuts up with their think pieces about either one of them and uh, just enjoy them as movies wait movies that's what these are these thoughts what we kind of do here not a political stand oh weird i don't know you kept bringing sexual assault into it every other <laughs> breath i guarantee you if i, I mentioned a roman plansky movie that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't come up well i'd probably have to say like uh i haven't seen that because i think i've seen two roman polanski movies there's that is a big hole in my movie watching uh, my movie watching history, like I've seen his version of Macbeth and I've seen uh, Rosemary's Baby, but that's about it. I still have to watch Repulsion. Apparently, that's a big one on people's lists, but pre-rape I... is what you're saying. Yes. Stay in the pre-rape uh, filmography. That's just words to live by. <laughs> Stay in the pre-rape. It's weird it's how good. it ties in the fact that that's when he actually made good movies, too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it makes it easy. Yeah. Very strange. All right. Any uh, last words either about the awards or about War Machine versus War Horse before we sign off on this episode? Yeah, I guess uh, we did our, our version of uh, this on War Machine versus War Horse, except our uh, nominating and uh, awards committee was two people, and we did it for the silence episode, you of course. lazy cause... motherfucker. Two people. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to tabulate your bullshit, you, you people that that have – everybody wants some as the worst of these ten films, and uh, you'll probably watch more than you know five of them. Um, yeah, we did it for silence. We did our top ten list. Um I think those are hard to listen to, certainly. Um, Three hours I also, long. <laughs> I think this has probably been hard to listen to, too. Trying to cobble together everyone onto a consensus opinion, uh, you end up with a very sort of homogenized uh, take on cinema, and uh, you miss out on the little quirky stuff. People, you know, there's 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 stuff like uh, you're going to have Handmaiden sitting on the same list as the nice guys. And so I think that that's interesting. And if you, if you look at 2016 – I don't think it was a terrible year in movies. Uh, in many other respects, it was god awful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, I think that there's a. I think if you think that this was just a dumpster fire of a, of a year in cinema, you were just being willfully ignorant and kind of lazy. Or you're only watching like the big studio releases because it was a really bad year for big studio films. I think you had to actually go looking for the better films this year. 
which uh, you should if you're listening to a movie podcast. Right. Yeah. Don't watch Transformers. Go watch Everybody Wants Some. Go watch 20th Century Women. Go watch Silence. There are great movies and good movies to be found if you just go a little bit down the list. And coming soon, all those movies will be available on streaming, on Blu-ray. So make sure to actually patronize them and fund movies instead of just stealing them. So You know what you can fund? I have a Patreon page There it now. is. I started. I'm so glad you <laughs> took the bait. before this recording. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, at War Machine Horse, and more importantly, give me money at uh, patreon.com slash War Machine Horse. The only person who, when someone tells them, I'm looking at your Patreon, just immediately, <laughs> you fucking idiot, don't give me money. <laughs> Do you know how hard that was? Because I, I got home about an hour early, and I'm like, well, it's not enough time to edit this episode, because uh, I got to get on with Dave. What could I do? Podcast related. I'm like, oh, I could ask for money. And then I started filling out all the shit, and I'm like, oh, God. That's the the one that I'm kind of hoping, uh, you know. That's that, that's the only thing. You know, where it's I like, was All considering right. giving you four dollars a month, but now that you started name calling, fuck you, Dave. I love you. Give me that four dollars. <laughs> Your love costs four dollars. That's yeah. That was. Uh, I'm I'm wondering. Uh, I'm sure I'll get uh, a few unfollows and hate like this. This fucking racist. He hates gay people. He hates moonlight. Hates uh, black and then, people and gay people. And you combine them, it's a piece of shit. And then I have Hyro being like, "Yes, tear down the academy, Mike." I call them all to the carpet.